want you to repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Redmond's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning. Well, I do have a surprise uh, this morning, and that is what I sent out as an email on sharing on how to overcome disappointments. I hate to disappoint you, but I will not be sharing that this morning. Woke up this morning as usual and uh, was just praying, and I, I felt that God just wanted me to share something that I've already shared, but I haven't shared in a corporate setting, in our church setting. So uh, today, if you want to pull your notes and your pens out, I want to share today on how to discover your purpose. How to discover your purpose. And I shared this message with our men, but I felt a strong pull to do it today. And I believe that this message that I'm going to share today is probably the most important message I've ever shared in our church. So today, if you're taking notes, you can just write down how to find your purpose. And if you would, find 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8. And then Romans chapter 8, verses 28. I'll say those two again. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8. And then Romans chapter 8, verses 28. And as you uh, look for those, most of you know my story. Uh, if you have been at this church some length of time. But when I first got saved, they only told me three things to do. They said, you need to read your Bible, you need to pray every day, and you need to go to church. Well, I began to do those three things. And as a result of doing those three things, it led me to uh, discovering my purpose. But I'm going to share with you in a more concise way on how to do that. In other words, when you leave today... If you have no clue of what your purpose is, you will know when I'm done. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a good guarantee right there. Amen. And so because my life, you know, uh, I am a first generation pastor, I had no blueprint to follow in my life. I had a desire to be a business person. That's what I went to school for. That's what I'm educated for. That's what my degree is in. So I never really knew that one day God would call me to be a pastor. But how many know God's calling on your life is more important than what you went to school for? Amen. And so I'll never forget, uh, I wanted to be the first African-American man on the front of Forbes magazine. That was one of my dreams in life. Uh, and along with that prayer, I said, Lord, I want to be the best businessman you want me to be, but I don't ever want to be a pastor. How many know he didn't hear that prayer? <laughs> so if you have your Bibles, 
Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I have three points for you this morning. Here's the first point, And that is God has a purpose. Say this with me. Say God has a purpose. Now in 2 Timothy chapter 1, look in verse 8. It says, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 9. Who has saved us, now it's talking about God here, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Look at your neighbor and say, this is a holy calling. Amen. This is different from being a basketball player or a tennis player or uh, a, a sports figure. He said, no, this is a holy calling. Watch this. Not according to our works, but he's called us according to, read it with me, his, come on, say it again, his own purpose. One more time. His own purpose. In other words, God has a purpose for our lives. And his purpose, watch this, is based on what he has designed and called us to do and be. Can you say amen to that? Now, when you look this word purpose up, I have two definitions for it. The first definition for the word purpose here, it comes right out of the dictionary. And the dictionary defines purpose as the reason for which something exists or by which something is done. The reason that something exists or the reason that something is done. It's also defined as the intention or desired for something. The intention for something or the desired for something. Now the Bible has a very simple definition for the word purpose. And it is a, watch this, proposed intention. Say this with me, say proposed intention. So when you read that verse in Romans, it really should say that God saved us and he's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own proposed intention for our life. Can you say amen to that? Now it goes on to say, and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. In other words, the proposed intention that God has for our lives, it was, watch this, released when we accepted Christ as our Savior. Notice here, it says that, it says it was given to us, which means that God's purpose for our life is free. You don't have to pay for it. You shouldn't have to pay for a prophecy. I know you all see it on TV, call and we'll tell. You don't have to call a, 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 a I'm going to call them witch doctors. On TV, dial 1-800, let me tell you your future. You don't have to call them and pay for something that, guess what? The devil knows if you've already done it in the past. How many know the devil can tell you stuff too? Amen. No, no. God's purpose for our life is free. So notice now, my purpose is free. And it's access through Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? However, access does not mean entry. I can give you access to my house. I can give you my keys. I can give you my car to even get to my house. And I can give you my security code to get in and, and release the alarm. But if you never go to my house, use my car keys, get there, use the key to get in, you have access to my house, but you haven't entered my house. 
And when we come into Christ Jesus, we have access to God's purpose for our lives, but many people don't know the key to getting into that purpose. Can you say amen? So purpose was free for me, but it was at the expense of Christ. When Christ died for us, everything we needed was wrapped up in his death, burial, and resurrection. So God has a proposed intention for our life. Say this with me. Say God has a proposed intention for my life. Now go over to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. Let me show you this same principle that God has a purpose for our life. It's in Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to read verse 26 and we're going to read right into context. It says, likewise, the spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we are, but the Spirit itself makes intercession or prays for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he, who's, the, who's God, that searches the heart, he knows what's in the mind of the Spirit because he, the Holy Spirit, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. If you don't know what to pray, pray in tongues. You'll always hit God's will every single time. Verse 28, and we know that all things work together, watch this, for good to them that love God and to them who are the called, read it with me, according to, according to who? Whose purpose? Okay, so guess what? God has a purpose for you. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a purpose for you. So, We've seen so far that he has a purpose. We can access it through Jesus Christ. But watch this now. Here's the question. How do we find our individual purpose in God? How do we find why God has created us? Because until you discover what that is, you cannot fulfill why he put you here. So many believers that I know are floating around spending years of their life trying to discover God's purpose and that's why they have very little fruit in their lives because they don't have a clue why God put them here. Amen. Amen. So that leads me to point number two. Point number two is God's purpose must be discovered. Okay, God has a purpose for our life. We just, we just saw that. But then God's purpose must be discovered. Now, stay in Romans. We're going to read verse 28 again. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called, the called according to His purpose, and that where a purpose have different dynamics to it. You know, it's just like uh, in our English version. You know, we can say, I love my wife. And then you can turn around and say, I love my dog. Well, I hope you don't love your dog like you love your wife. Now, some people love their dog like they love their wife. We see that on TV. But the English language is so limited. And so when you look that word purpose up in the New Testament, this word purpose means more than just what we think. In fact, it has two English words connected to this word purpose. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Keep your hand here in Romans. We're going to come back. Go to Matthew chapter 12. Did you know that the word purpose in the Bible is also the English word showbread in the Bible? You say, well, pastor, what is showbread? Showbread 
is some bread that was used in the Bible. And I'll give you more of an explanation on that. But let me just read Matthew 12 so I can show you this same word purpose. Which by the way the Greek word for purpose is prothesis. So watch this now. Matthew 12 1. At the time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn and his disciples were hungry. And they began to pluck the ears of corn and then to eat. Verse 2. But when the Pharisees saw it. They said to him, behold, your disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and they that were with him, how he entered where? Come on, class. Where did he go? He went into the house of God and watch this. And he did eat the what? See that word showbread? That word showbread is the same Greek word as the word purpose. Now, when I first read that, I couldn't, I couldn't get the two together. I was like, showbread, purpose. What does the two have in common? But when you, do, when you look deeper into what showbread is all about, you'll understand. Now, I like to read that verse where it says that David entered the house of God and he ate some purpose. I like that. Or it says all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his showbread. Now you're probably saying, Pastor, what in the word does it mean? Well, let me just explain something about showbread. Showbread was a special bread. And it had other names that was connected to it. Here's some of the names that showbread had. It was called the bread of the face. It was also called the presence bread. And it also had a name, Holy Bread. Now, why those three names? Because one of the things about uh, this, this bread called showbread, it was found in the temple and the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And this tabernacle, you go in, and only the priests could go in and serve. And one of the items that was on the table in this tabernacle was showbread. And this showbread was made out of the finest flour that you could buy. And then they would press this bread and it was very flat. It was what they called unleavened bread. And here's the thing. Only priests. Now people could eat their made version of that bread in their home. But nobody could eat the showbread that was in the temple other than a priest. So that's why they said it was unlawful for David and his men to go in there and eat the showbread. Well, you say, well, pastor, what does that have to do with us? Go back now and, and go back up to verse 1 in chapter 12. Well, let, let's verse, verse 4. Let's look in verse 4. It says, how he entered the house of God and did eat showbread. He went and ate some purpose, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for those who were with him. But read it with me. But only, only for who? Only for the priests. And let me explain something about this. When the showbread was in the temple, only priests could eat them. And when they ate it, they could only eat it standing up. Now, how do we make sense of it with us? Well, here's the thing. First of all, to discover your purpose, to discover your showbread or proposed intention, you must first come to the house of God. Where did David go to go get this showbread? What did it say he went? 
He went to the house of God. And so most people try to discover what God's called them to do outside of his house. But you're not going to discover what he's called you to do outside of the house. You're going to discover what he wants you to do inside the house. And see, this is where uh, being a part of a church is, in my mind, it's not an option. It's something I have to do. And that's why the Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Because once you come into his house, he knows that eventually you're going to eat some showbread. And when you eat some showbread, you're going to discover some purpose. That's why the scripture says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every purpose that comes out of the mouth of God. Can you say amen? So we have to first come into the house of God. And that's why the devil is smart. Any type of issue, offense, or problem that goes on in the church, the devil wants everybody to stay at home. And see, you cannot replace a computer with church. I'm sorry. I know online and streaming, that's good. And that's good if you're not feeling well. Or that's good when you're out of town. But at the end of the day, you can't fellowship with your computer. Touch your neighbor and say, he ain't talking to me. Now look at him again and say, but he might be talking to you though. So we have to go into the house of God to receive showbread. Secondly, since only priests were able to eat the showbread, our lives, watch this now, must become one which is holy. Now go back to Romans. Go back to Romans real quick. Go back to Romans because I want you to read this. Uh, In Romans chapter 8, and I love this because it really shows us that God is a, a holy God. You know what? Go to 2 Timothy. That's where it is. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Go back to verse 8. 2 Timothy 1, 8. Because it says here that God has saved us and called us with a holy calling. So let me ask you a question. Is it possible to have a holy calling and not live a holy life? It is possible. But here's the thing. Whatever is in that holy calling, I can only receive if I start living a holy life. Now, I know back in the day, they used to scare the hell out of you. Some of us, the only reason we did right was because we were scared God was going to kill us. See, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. In other words, there's not enough sin you can do that God's grace can't cover. And when I discovered that, you know, I discovered some of this stuff in pieces. So I'm giving it to you all at one time. When I discovered that when I got saved, I was saved. I mean, I mean, when I got saved, I was saved. Not based on my works, because it says not by works, lest any man should boast. When I knew I got born again, and I knew I was saved, and I couldn't go to hell no more, I thought, man, I can go back to smoking weed now. How many know that's not a holy calling? (laughs) Come on, some of you are right now. You need to kick Jack out of your house. Not your husband, Jack, Jack Daniels. (laughs) 
Watch this. The showbread was only for the priests. Now, watch this now because I'm going to connect the dots for you. Remember, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Just write it down. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So in order for God to, for us to get purpose in our life, God had, when we got born again, he says, I got to put priesthood on them. Because when I put priesthood on them, they now have not only access, but they have the power to come into my presence. Because guess what? They have the priesthood on them and they can come in and eat the bread that I have designed for them. But in order for me to see some things and hear some things and know some things, I got to straighten my life out. Now, this is a motivator for me. Not necessarily because I'm going to go to hell if I don't, but it's a motivator for me now because now me living a holy life gives me some motivation because I'm going to hear some things I wouldn't have heard had I not lived holy. Are you all with me? So only the priest could eat it. God put the priesthood on us. And then thirdly, the priest ate the showbread standing up, which is a form of service. And remember, where did they go to, go to, get, where did they go to get this showbread? Where did they go? And see, most people, watch this now, they come to the house of God. They hear some showbread. They eat some. And they stop right there. When the, the connection piece is, when they ate the showbread, they could only do it standing, which represents service. And see, most people who come to a church do nothing in a church. Those priests ate that bread. That was a form of service. And some of us in this room, we've been going to church all of our lives, and we're doing nothing in the church. You wonder why you are spiritually stuck? It's because you are missing a, a piece of the equation. I mean, if the priest had to be serving to eat the bread, who are you to not eat the bread and serve? Can you say amen to that? So the priest had to eat it serving. So when we come to the house of God, watch this now. Remember, it's called presence bread. There is a presence that we ought to have. And what I found is that some believers who've been in this thing for a long time, look at your neighbor and say, he's about to talk to you right now. If you are a mature believer and you've been walking with God for a while and you know his voice, because one of the things you should hear and learn while you're in his presence is his voice. But see, the problem with people who've been walking with God for a while is that they hear his voice and the biggest mistake that they make is that they allow knowing God's voice to be the replacement, watch this, for being in his presence. You say, what do you mean? If I stood on the other side of this wall and called your name, you could hear my voice and not be in my presence. And many mature believers, since we now know the voice of God, we have replaced knowing the voice of God without being in his presence. But here's the thing. I'm going to say it just like I wrote it. It is possible for us to hear God's voice and not be in his presence, but it's impossible to be in his presence without hearing his voice. So just because you know God's voice does not replace the fact that you need to be in his presence. You know God's presence has some benefits. Did you know that? One of the benefits of God's presence is, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord comes. In his presence is fullness of joy. And here's the thing. Most 
mature believers, they serve God in his presence and for his presence. You say, well, Pastor, I missed that. Come back. Let's rewind. We shouldn't serve God in his presence for his presence. In other words, I'm going to change it to gifts. We shouldn't just serve God and be in his presence just to get his gifts. What if God didn't promise us anything? Would you still serve him? Now, the benefit of it is God will bless us when we serve him. But my question is, what would you do if what you see is what you get? Amen. And here's the thing. Every major decision that I've had to make in my life as a believer, all of them has come from being in his presence. How did we get to Seguin High School? Because I was spending some time in his presence And because I was in his presence eating showbread, the Spirit of God speaks to me and shows me where we ought to have church. When you're in his presence, God will show you things that you wouldn't see had you just been walking down the street. I know you can talk to God all day, but I'm saying, uh, would you like to be married to somebody who just wrote you letters? Or would you like to be married to somebody who can talk to you about what they wrote in a letter? It's okay, you should read God's word every single day, but spend some time with him. I mean, it's like dating through the mail if all you're going to do is read. Oh, okay, so I know what y'all do. A prayer away takes the devil away. A prayer a day takes the devil. No, 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 it don't necessarily work like that. So here's the question. How do you discover your purpose? It's really simple. Go back now to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. How do we find our individual purpose for our, our, our life? Because here's why. You should do what you do because of who you are and not vice versa. In other words, most people think God's purpose for their life is what they do for God. Well, what God has called you to do is not something you do for him. It's who you become in him. Now go back to Romans 8, look in verse 29 or 20, 28. It says, And we know all things work together for good to them that love the, God, the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Watch this now. For God, this is all in context, for God foreknew, for who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his what? He's saying, I know God's called you and you're called according to the purpose of God. He says, but he has predestined you. For those who he foreknew, he already knew you was going to be born. He didn't matter who your mom was, dad was, don't even matter. Right now, what matters is you're born. And he says, for who God foreknew, he predestined. In other words, his calling on our lives is not to go to school and become a doctor. That may be part of what you do. But he's saying he's predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. So guess what your purpose is in life? To be more like Jesus Christ. 
And when you are more like Christ, what happens is you will find the specific thing that God may have you to do. But guess what? Until I begin to do those things that I just explained, where I learn to come into the house of God, I begin to eat presence bread, show bread. When I begin to do that, when I begin to serve like the priest did, then guess what's going to happen? Eventually, I'm going to be conformed into the image of his son. In other words, I'm going to live better. And when I do, Whatever, remember, what kind of calling has God called us to? So my living right now puts me in position to carry out the life like Christ. And when God sees us being more like his son, now he sees that we're ready to do some of the things that he's called us to do. See, it's frustrating to know what God's called you to do and you spend years not trying to figure out how to do it, and it's because you haven't become who you need to be yet. Because a sloppy life can't lead spiritual people. Oh, so you want your purpose, you want to know it and do it before you straighten some things out. Let me tell you something. God loves us enough to not get a, let us get way up there, and then we just embarrass ourselves. Amen. I mean, can you imagine, uh, let's say uh, somebody famous gets on TV, they preaching the word, and uh, they get caught doing drugs on the side of the road. How many know your gift will make room for you, but it won't keep you in that room? It's the likeness of Christ that keeps you in the room. We want to know what God wants us to do and God is trying to get us to become more like him because when we become more like him, guess what? Then we'll do what he's called us to do. And I didn't know this. I was doing it but didn't know it. Now, had somebody explained this to me, then I'd been able to go, hmm, because they told me three things. Go to church, pray, read your Bible. I was doing that. But then the last one was serving. Uh, after I left Bible school, I wasn't doing that. You know why? Because I used to sell cars. And uh, how many have sold cars in here before? Let me see your hand. It, 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 man, it's tiring. Because you work 12, 13 hours a day. You work on commission, which means that you only make money when you sell a car. So my wife and I, when we came back from Jamaica, the Lord wanted me to sell cars. I'm not real sure. I still don't know why today he wanted me to sell cars. But he wanted me to sell cars, and I started selling cars. Well, guess what? In selling cars, I was working Monday through Saturday. So Sunday rolls around. I don't want to go to church. I really didn't want to go to church, but I knew I was supposed to go to church. And had somebody explained to me that, hey, go to church. You're going to get some showbread today. So I went in there, and, uh, you know, we would get in there, and I couldn't wait for the pastor to say amen so I could leave. <laughs> I didn't want to usher. I didn't want to greet. You ain't got to speak to me. I got to go. I was going to grab my wife, I was going to go, get in the bed, go to sleep, get some rest so I can get on the car lot the Monday morning. Well, this one particular day, I'm tired. I'm waiting for the pastor to say amen. I stayed up for the message, so thank God for that. <laughs> and then he says amen, and I'm getting ready to jet out of there, and the Lord said, you're not going nowhere today. I said, what you talking about? This is your house, not mine. He says, I need you to do something because you're not doing nothing for me. 
I said, what do you mean? He said, you're just going home. You're going to sleep. I want you to do something. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a trash bag, and I want you to pick up trash in the pews because the saints, my saints, they're going to leave it there. They're going to leave bulletins. They're going to leave envelopes that they ain't put no money in. And they're going to, you know, they're going to candy wrappers and chewing gum. They're going to leave it down. So I want you, you ain't got to go ask nobody. Just go ask them for a trash bag. Get a bag and go through the benches and pick up the trash. And when you've done that through the whole sanctuary, you can leave. So I started doing that. And I did it on a regular basis to the fact that it got some of them's attention. What's interesting is one of the people... A couple of people that got the attention. Well, I was here today. He don't know it, but he, he was there at the church at the time. And so uh, I can't remember who it was, but they came up to me and said, we noticed that you pick up the trash. You've been doing it on your own. He said, we got something else for you to do. And I'm thinking, man, I'm about to get a promotion. <laughs> they must sense the anointing of God on my life. They must know it's time for me to share the word of God. <laughs> So I'm, 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 I'm excited now because, you know, somebody doesn't notice what I'm doing. So I get in there and they say, you know what? If you will clean the bathrooms now. <laughs> now, there's some of y'all that looks like, oh, that's a demotion. No, no, not if you're doing it as unto the Lord. But it went from cleaning bathrooms now to, guess what? Helping out, calling visitors, saying, thank you for coming to this church. And then it went from calling visitors to now overseeing the people to call the visitors. Then it went from there to being a minister. Then it went from there to being an elder. Then it went from there to being on staff. Then it went from there to being a word of truth. And you're wondering why you haven't discovered what God wants you to physically do. Maybe it's because you haven't become who God wants you to be. Because you can be the greatest singer. Some of y'all, you have giftings and anointings on your life. Can you imagine getting up there singing as a special guest singer and you singing at somebody's church and uh, the sound ain't right and you, you cuss? <laughs> it happens. Because what's in you comes out in abundance. So you really think you're going to hide your cussing over singing. You really think that. Amen. So here's my question. Let me read Romans 8 and then I'm going to give you my question. Romans 8, look at this in the Living Bible. It says, and we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plans. Verse 29. For from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him and all along he knew they would become like his son. In other words, what's your purpose in life? Your purpose in life is to be like Jesus Christ, period. And when you become more like Jesus Christ, then the, the, the things that God wants you to do, you will discover. Can you say amen? amen. So here's, here's the question. I wonder how many of you in this room have not connected with the doing of what God has for you because you haven't become who God wants you to be with every head bowed and every eye closed there are some of you all right here you're already saved you've given your life to Jesus Christ you are a part of a church but here's the problem you're not doing anything 
in your church. I'm not just talking about Word of Truth people now. I'm talking about those of you who are visiting. What are you doing in your church? Because if you're not doing anything in your church, you're missing one of the elements of the showbread process. The priest came to serve. And I believe as you do that, then the calling, the thing that God wants you to do, he will eventually show you. And I believe there are some people here today that need to make up their minds right now that I am going to do something for God in my church. In my church. And if you're here today, you say, Pastor Evan, I'm a member here at Word of Truth Family Church. I'm a member. And then those of you who are visiting, if you're visiting and you belong to a church and you're not doing anything in that church, God's talking to you right now. Here's my question. What are you going to do with what you're hearing? Well, I want to challenge you today to do something with it. I want to challenge you today to decide to serve. And if I'm talking to you right there, just in that point right there, if that's you, I want to acknowledge you and I want to pray for you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hand right there at your seat. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not serving and I know I need to. I'm part of a church, whether you're a member or not, and you're not doing anything in this church, and you're making a decision, I'm going to do something, I'm going to start, raise your hand, real high, real high, real high, real high, real high. Now, now I want you to look up at me, and when you look up at me, I'm going to point to you and say, I see your hand. And this is good because Jesus said, if you will acknowledge me before God, I'll, I mean, if you will acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before God. So when I say, I see your hand, you can put your hand down. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. 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 I see your hand.